investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamachko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome investors. We have a special episode of the Absolute Return podcast today with one of our leadership chats. Our special guest on today's episode is Steve Fike, who is Vice President of Special Projects at the ManCal Corporation and President of ManCal Coal. Now, ManCal is one of the most successful private companies in Western Canada, tracing its roots back over 100 years. ManCal is involved in many industries, including coal mining, oil and gas exploration, oil and gas transportation, mineral exploration and mining, building construction, import-export, real estate development, railway maintenance, as well as venture capital and merchant banking. Our conversation today focuses on Steve's capital allocation process and where he views investment opportunities in today's environment. We hope you enjoy our chat with Steve Fike, the investor operator. All right, and we're live here with Steve Fike of Mancal, which is uh, one of the largest private companies in Canada with a really diverse range of business interests. Now, what Steve does, uh, he wears a number of hats. He works on corporate uh, Ventures, private equity, growth equity, and all sorts of different businesses. So he's here to talk about uh, various capital allocation, how he views uh, investment opportunities, uh, valuations, uh, natural resource investing, ag tech, and a whole number of different potential investment opportunities. So to start off, you have quite a diverse role from investing to startups, growth equity, uh, biotech, natural resources, various technology, agricultural ventures. Why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, my background is largely operational. I went through a couple of uh, startup companies um, before um, ultimately growing one. Over the course of about uh, 13 years, we were in the manufacturing distribution in the sporting goods business. And so my background is largely uh, from an operational perspective. Uh, Certainly when you grow a business from zero, you learn everything from uh, sweeping the floors to managing finance to managing people. So that's largely my background by training. I, uh, I'm a chemical engineer, but um, really focused more on business uh, since I finished. How does being an operator, like you said, with management experience and, and picking up all those different roles in terms of operating a business, how does that impact your investing style and how you approach uh, various investment opportunities? Yeah, well, I think the one thing that it helps you understand is at the end of the day, somebody needs to turn the screw is the expression I like to use. Um, it's great to look at spreadsheets. It's great to be able to understand some of the, what we say, key indicators that you might drive out of a financial statement but at the end of the day really being able to connect with a management team to be able to understand what they physically need to do to create value in a business is a really important thing and when we look at private capital investing where we do have a a strong touch with the management team not to suggest that we are um, directing a business but to be able to converse with them help them on strategic decisions by understanding that at the end of the day when we leave and go and look at another investment that that business needs to go and execute on that. 
So being able to support, facilitate, and bring strategic guidance to that, I think having an operational background and recognizing that operational piece is, uh, is really important. So it sounds like you're fairly actively involved in the companies that you invest in? Yeah, well, that's where I would be clear. You know, our intention is not to be active, but only to the extent that management team seeks input guidance. Um, and so we think being able to understand is the first step to developing that deep connection with the management team, but not necessarily to roll up our sleeves and, and meddle in uh, a vision that they have. As, as well, could you go into a little, little bit about your strategy in terms of investing? So I guess comparing, you know, typical VC investing in startups to kind of what you execute on. Yeah, I mean, for us, when we look at investing, I think you know, a couple of things, we, we look for some broader um, industries that, that we think have really strong fundamentals. And when I talk about that, that kind of leads us to the agricultural space and where we've been in agricultural technology. You know, I think when we look at today's population, 7.6 billion people on the earth and, you know, pretty good um, consensus around that driving to close to 10 billion by the time we hit 2050. Outside of some dramatic effect happening, um, that's a pretty uh, hard number. So that leads us to a thesis that we need to be more efficient if we're going to be able to feed that population. So we don't worry about as much what the overall industry is doing. Then we can worry about um, specific companies within that, as opposed to wondering, is this an industry that's going to be disrupted by something else? So that's kind of our, our first step. And then the next phase, when we start to look at technology in that space, we're pretty clear that we're not um, a startup investor so much as we look for businesses at our emerging phase. We think that's a good spot for us and a place that we can bring um, good value to businesses that we invest in. Uh, when they're on the emerging phase, we like to think that they've got a product in hand, that they have a customer or two. Not that this is a cash flow positive business, but it's it's emerging. And this is their first formal uh, equity that they might bring in beyond friends, family, seed, uh, capital. And that's where we think we can bring some really good assistance and partnership to a business at that stage of the, of the space. And what would be your general approach to private capital investing? Is it more thematic? You mentioned this notion of population growth, ag tech, etc. Or is it more so uh, bet on the jockey, strong management team, this guy's done well in the past, or is it a combination of both? I say it's a combination of both. I mean, that broader piece is what leads us to certain sectors that are of interest for us. But at the end of the day, you've hit on a really critical component is you can get really enthused about a product or a certain component of, uh, of a business. But at the end of the day, it is a management team. And that is ultimately what we are partnering with is strong management teams. Uh, you know, one of the themes we talk about amongst our shop is, you know, we can look at forecasts but nobody knows the future. Mm -hmm. And really what we're looking at is how is this management team going to adapt and overcome to uh, different changes that are going to happen in the market. That's the winning combination. When you when you say, you know, looking at the forecasts and whatnot, how do you, I guess, evaluate for your portfolio companies how the management team is executing? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're, we want to see that they're creating value. 
And that value creation we see is, you know, are they are they able to scale the business from a revenue perspective, but are they driving to a business that is also profitable? And so when we look at a, a forecast, there's certain key indicators that they might be driving towards, um, but the path might be a little bit more circuitous to get there. So, but as long as they're building in that direction, we think they're creating value in that business. So say, taking some market share uh, from a revenue perspective and being profitable or driving towards profitability in an emerging phase business. And taking it through it's kind of the life cycle of a typical investment, if, if there is a typical investment um, with your firm, what to, how do you look at exit? Do you look at holding forever or is there kind of a somewhat of a defined exit? And is this a key differentiator between a standard VC or, or private equity growth fund? Yeah, I think that's definitely a dif- uh, differentiator for us. We don't think of timelines. Um, we think that we bring um, what we would call patient capital, but I'm always very uh, quick to clarify that doesn't mean complacent capital. Um, and when we get into an investment, we think about what the exit opportunities may be in the future. But what's different about us is as long as that business is continuing to create value, um, we may be there uh, for a very long time if that fits for that particular investment. So we don't go in with a typical VC fund you know, time horizon or PE fund time horizon thinking, hey, we're going to be out in the next five to seven years. Uh, we think that as long as this business is growing, as long as it's starting, it continuing to create value, we might be there longer. Although, quite frankly, if there's a great exit opportunity for the business and that's the best future for that business and the management team has been aligned with that, then, then we'll certainly capitalize on an exit opportunity. And from a general perspective, where are you seeing opportunities? It could be themes, geographies, sectors, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on one. Certainly, the agricultural sector is one that um, is is big for us. You know, people think about autonomous driving vehicles, and there's a lot of um, a lot of other more exciting areas to think about that when it comes to automobiles. We think about tractors. We think about you know more efficiencies in the field, and and we see those things you know seemingly roll out sooner. So agriculture is certainly one. I would say the other one is on financial technology, financial transactions. Um, You know, things have continued to accelerate the number of transactions that are occurring. Um, And and we've seen, you know, even banks, big banks that you think about as more stagnant beasts that are investing in financial technology components. We see that as a broad theme that's continuing to grow and we like that sector. You know, the other one is uh, the internet of things. Um, You know, the ability for remote censoring, uh, remote capabilities. Um, We think that's another sector that's continuing to grow. You know, areas where we don't see people moving back to paper for cash transactions. And same thing with internet of things. We see that people are continuing to move to remote censoring. How can we more effectively monitor things, whether it's in the field from an industrial application perspective or pieces of infrastructure, how they can be monitored. So those are three key key areas I think that we, we see opportunity in. You know, and geographically, you know, for us, we continue to look at geographies uh, outside of where we are here in, in Calgary, but we're seeing a tremendous number of 
great entrepreneurs that uh, have been pivoting from their traditional spaces in, in energy. And these are smart people that have now perhaps some freedom to explore the development of new businesses. And so along the theme of we're always looking for good management teams uh, as a critical part, you know, we continue to see opportunities right here in our backyard. There's certainly a lot of talent that seems to have left the uh, oil and gas sector and gone on to find a lot of different uh, opportunities out there. Uh, the other interesting thing you mentioned is in terms of uh, you know financial technology, they say that data is the new oil, and that's really kind of a, a new, seemingly unlimited resource that that can be harvested quite uh, quite profitably. But that being said, there's. Um, you know, this distinction between private markets and public markets. How would you, you know, compare the two markets? Is there a difference in, in valuations? Is, is one more inefficient than the other? How do you view uh, the difference between the two? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't characterize myself as a, as a public market guy, um, but I would certainly look and see that, you know, you see perhaps a little bit more noise in the public markets where people react and can react because of the market call it efficiency, that they can react almost instantaneously. Uh, whereas the, in, the, in the private markets, those are uh, perhaps a little bit slower, but that might mean from my perspective that it lands in uh, much more critical evaluation than it does in, in noise. Um, we certainly see differences in, in valuation for sure. Um, I think in the in the public sector, although, or in the private capital investment space, you certainly see those that see an idea and, and, and attach a, a, a very high valuation to it. Um, but I think most are more pragmatic and you'd see lower valuations in the private market, at least in the early stages. Um, and it's not till they get, move on to um, more mature businesses that you start to see them compete with public market valuations. Interesting. And because we are kind of in the heart of uh, the oil patch, in Canada, what do you think of natural resource investing on a go-forward basis? Especially with uh, there's a lot of talk on ESG. Uh, the government is looking to you know get carbon neutral. Uh, a lot of different policies uh, coming down from a regulatory perspective, and really a lot of attitudes in the market changing. Whether that's cyclical or secular, who really knows? But how do you think that industry will develop on a go-forward basis? Yeah, I mean, that sector is certainly being burdened by additional costs associated with exactly as you've described, ESG, regulation, etc. And, and you know, some of those things are, are positive steps are needed to ensure responsible development. Uh, but perhaps this harkens back to, to my background when I think about something as a, a manufacturing business. I think when I look at the natural resource sector, um, it's perhaps being driven today to understanding it more as that manufacturing business. You need to find low cost reserves or low cost resource that you're going to be able to de develop effectively, which is your manufacturing piece. And you need to do that in the context of meeting um, you know, ESG standards that have uh, continued to evolve and regulation. So I think there's, there's certainly a deeper dive, uh, at least in my view, where you need to understand those pieces and think, is this business competitive to produce that product into this market from a cost perspective? Um, no longer, I think, are we going to see these uh, commodity price swings that can make uh, what are perhaps inefficient um, resources or inefficient areas of the resources cost-effective. 
That's interesting because uh, you look at something like the natural gas business, and obviously the lowest cost producer wins. But you know, with Henry, Henry you have prices sub two dollars, it's it seems like no one's winning no. in that business. <laughs> but uh, so it's certainly tough out there, just the cyclicality of it all, and it seems like we're in a real deep cycle here in in the energy space. But onto you know these kind of new newer opportunities. What advice? Do you have for uh, you know managements of say you know a growth equity business that would perhaps uh, be looking for investors or you know entrepreneurs CEOs that uh, you know what sort of wisdom uh, do you have from your investing and uh, operating experience? Yeah, well, I think uh, you know an important piece for them is to uh, you know find somebody that can help them in areas that uh, they may not have the expertise. I think it's important to recognize we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and so I think as an entrepreneur starts out, and whether they bring a research component or they've developed a new product, they're a very good inventor. That surrounding themselves, whether it's with a formal management team at the time, but that may not be appropriate. So it's finding other advisors that might be able to give them some help on the business side um, so that they're developing and advancing all parts of their business and um, I think that's the first phase and as they start to look at bringing in equity I think this is something that entrepreneurs uh, business owners um, you know CEOs of emerging businesses have, have already started to realize is that partnering with good capital is important and um, you know, gone are the days of well, I'll take any money I can get. I think there's there's money out there, and um, making sure that they partner with the right capital to allow them continue on that to execute the, the the plan that they have is another piece of advice I'd give. And what would be some attributes of that so-called good capital? Like, what would those investors bring to the table uh, in order to help the business grow and become successful? Yeah, part of it depends on what the business is looking for. You know, if a business is looking for a connection to a certain space they might look for an investor that can bring uh, that connection to them if it's a, an operational piece um, then they might want to bring in an investor that brings a, an operational component that can help them advise on how they might be scaling or growing that part of the business so I, I think it, it really depends on the business but I think looking for more than just the capital is uh, is an important piece and a little bit further to that when you talk about a little bit of value add on the investor side how do you look at different relationships perhaps that you can you know har harness between your portfolio companies is that something that you look at perhaps synergies amongst uh, different areas in your portfolio companies yeah very good question I think that's certainly something that a lot of VC funds uh, talk about is you know they're developing a portfolio of businesses and it's great if they can be synergistic or find ways that they can uh, augment or add value to each other uh, that's not something that we would necessarily seek out if, if an opportunity is there, then we're glad to make that connection if it's appropriate. But because we probably have a greater diversity, we're not focused solely you know, ag tech. We're not focused solely in one segment. So we perhaps don't have as much of that. But we do think that our diversity also brings different perspectives that might be beneficial to some of those business, businesses. But no, we, we don't try and drive that in our portfolio. Interesting. One thing that I wanted to touch on, you know, prior to this podcast coming to an end is, you know, where do you get uh, educated? Where do you learn from? Do you like reading books? Do you have a mentor? You know, what sort of channels do you pay attention to? You know, are you reading anything interesting as of late? Yeah. Um 
you know, I, I try and talk to as, as many people as I can. You know, I think there's uh, a lot of people that if you can chat with them, if you can make that connection, can bring a lot of different expertise and advice. So certainly, you know, I, I read a lot. Uh, that, well, I shouldn't say a lot. I think there's a lot of people that read quite a bit, but certainly trying to keep up to speed on, on news and recent events is important and, um, you know, do a lot of research in that regard. But I think the other part is speaking to a lot of knowledgeable and interesting people is, uh, is a part that I spend a lot of time on. And if you boil it down just to one kind of general theme, what would you say would be the key to your success in business thus far? Yeah, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great people. And, uh, you know, I think uh, early on in uh, one of my businesses, I, yeah, I had the fortunate benefit of having two great uh, mentors at the time, one from a, an operational and business development side, but one from a, a governance perspective. And, uh you know, having the benefit of uh, working with them early on, one as an investor and one as a, as a, as a colleague, was uh, certainly instrumental in, uh, in my career, career. Great. Well, I always give podcast guests the ability to uh, allow people to uh, find out how, how they can learn more about you. Obviously, I know you're highly private and work for a very private company, uh, so that opportunity is there if you'd like to, to utilize it. Not much online about you, and I don't think you have a Twitter account, do you? I do not, no. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Steve Fike, uh, operator, investor, and um, you know a lot of great uh, business wisdom and advice for you so thank you so much steve for your time today thank oh, you. great thanks guys all right cheers thanks for tuning in to the absolute return podcast this episode was brought to you by accelerate financial technologies accelerate because performance matters find out more at accelerateshares.com the views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.